0: On the 20th of July, just this last year, 2022, uh, Lauren and myself, we were married. And God has been very good to us in providing for us at the very start of our marriage. And if you are married in here tonight, or if you have children that are married, whatever the case may be, I'm sure that you can relate to a lot of things that have to happen in the lead up to a marriage, in the build up. All that preparation work that has to be put in before you're married. There is that initial thought of having an overwhelmingly massive number of things that you have to do. As the bride is planning, there are flowers to think about, bridesmaids dresses to think about, uh, who you want to be involved, themes, where you're going to get married, color schemes. Honestly, I didn't realize before we got married how much there really was in planning a wedding. Thankfully, all I had to do was turn up. But if you are the groom, As I've said, all you really have to do is be there, on time, in the suit that's been picked out for you, do exactly as you're told by the bride, and just make sure the one thing you have to do is make sure you have your hair cut for the occasion. It's all very exciting. There's great excitement for a wedding. Who doesn't love a wedding? It's a display of each other's loves, and I've been given wonderful advice about marriage. It's always that you should get the last two words in, in any argument. Those two words, they must come from the man, and they are those words, yes, dear. and You were right, dear. And so far it's working, I must say, over the past seven months, eight months of marriage. It's working very well. It's working wonders. But a wedding is a very special day. It's a very special occasion. And it's a day full of excitement, but also a day full of solemnity. These vows are exchanged in the sight of God. The vow to be loving, to be faithful to your spouse until death separates the two of you. And today in the passage that we have read this evening, we see that there is mention made of a great wedding. The Lord is telling the parable to illustrate the kingdom of heaven. Look there at verse number 2. He says there that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. The kingdom of heaven is like that wedding celebration made for the prince by his father, the king. And now the king has begun the process of inviting out Those who were invited to the wedding. Handing out those invitations to the great wedding. For most people, I know for us anyway, we posted our letters. We didn't have a servant that could go around handing out out individual invitations. And in verse number 3, we see there that the king, he sent forth his servants. They had a very personal message on that wedding invitation. What did that say on the wedding invitation? Well, we see it in verse 4. All things are ready come unto the marriage. That was what that great wedding invitation said. All things are ready, come unto the marriage. And in this parable, there are certain characters who give us an illustration of different people. There is the king in this parable, a great picture of God, the father. There is the prince, the son of the king, a great picture of Christ our saviour. Then there are those guests that are invited to the wedding. That is all of those who hear the gospel message. That is you, that is me. We are those who are invited to the wedding and hearing the gospel this evening. And the final part of the illustration that we want to bring to your attention this evening, it is that wedding invitation, a very picture of the gospel itself, the word "Come onto the marriage. Come to Christ." And therefore, this evening, I want us to consider for a brief moment a personal wedding invitation. And we will be looking specifically at the responses that are given to the wedding invitation here in this parable in Matthew chapter 22. So first of all, notice with me that there are those who reject the wedding invitation. Those who reject the wedding invitation. We read of them in verse number 3. It says there that the king sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. These people, had, they had received the invitation just like anyone else. But their response was to reject this invitation. Now this is a highly unusual thing for them to do. You may ask me, well why is it unusual that they would reject this invitation? Well, who doesn't love going to weddings? Who doesn't love getting free food? That's, I'm sure, at times the main reason that some people go, they get a good feed. Sometimes five-course meal. It's wonderfully prepared for them. But more than this, in this specific parable that Christ is teaching, this is not just any wedding. This is not just a wedding that was put on by those of the lower class. No, this was a royal wedding. The king put on a wedding for his son. The finest of food and the best of service would have been on display at this wedding. And yet, these people... They still decided that they were going to reject the invitation. And it is a picture of those who reject the gospel. Reject Christ. Reject that invitation to come to him and to have rest. And I wonder, I ask the question to you, is that you this evening? Notice in verse number 3, at the end of the verse, it doesn't say that they could not come. It doesn't say that there was some other uh, pressing matter. It doesn't say that they had something else that was more important for them to do and then they would come to the wedding. No, it says there at the end of verse number three, they would not come. They would not come. They had no reason to reject the great invitation, but they rejected it anyway. And therefore again, I ask tonight, is that the case in your life? Jeremiah 25, verse 4 And the Lord hath sent unto you all the servants and prophets, rising early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. Is that you tonight? The Lord has given you the complete revelation of His Word in the Scriptures, the Bible. All that we need to do to be saved from our sin, He teaches us in the Scriptures. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ. And yet you're still not listening. You've taken that invitation and you've said, no, that's not for me. What will it take for you this evening to heed the voice of God? More than that, we see that there is great patience on display from this king. Because after they had rejected this first invitation in verse number 3, it says there in verse 4, Again, again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them that they are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. Everything was ready. All they had to do was come. The king here, he persisted in inviting those who had already rejected him, who had already rejected his great invitation. Romans 2 verse 4, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness? and forbearance and long suffering knowing not that the goodness of god leadeth thee to repentance i wonder tonight do you despise the long suffering lord the one who has been patient with you perhaps you're in this meeting this evening and god has presented you opportunity after opportunity to repent of your sin to turn away from it and be saved i wonder are you in the service this evening You've sat under the gospel. You've sat under preachers many, many times. Preachers far greater than I. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the invitation to come to Christ. And you've continually said no. Rejecting Christ. Rejecting his great salvation. Can it still be said, you sit under the gospel year after year and written over your life are the words out of Christ without a saviour. With no hope. No refuge now. This wedding. It had everything prepared. All that these people had to do. Was accept the invitation and come. The food was already there. Verse number 4. It tells us there. The oxen and the fatlings were killed. And all things were ready. Everything was prepared. The table was set. Yet these people. Continued to reject. The wedding invitation. The same can be said of salvation tonight. Everything is prepared. Christ has prepared all that you need in salvation. He cried on the cross, it is finished. His work of redemption, his work of salvation is a perfect and a complete work. He has taken your punishment on the cross. He has made an atonement for your sin. All you must do now is come and accept the invitation. Isaiah 55, verse 1. He said there, Every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Ye come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And our salvation has been purchased without silver, without gold, as Peter reminds us. It has been purchased and paid in full by Jesus Christ, shedding his blood on the cross. As we sang earlier, down at the cross where my Savior died. Downward for cleansing from sin I cried. It's at the cross that we're saved. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross. It's through that that we can have our sins forgiven. And therefore all things are prepared for you to be saved tonight. Christ has prepared everything in salvation. All you have to do is come. Hear the invitation this evening. Heed the invitation this evening. Come to Jesus Christ. Because the invitation is for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Then we read in verse number 5. We read of the attitude of these people that rejected this invitation. Verse number 5 it says there they made light of it. And they went their way one to his farm and another to his merchandise. It wasn't enough for them just to receive the invitation and say no thank you that's not for me. But they laughed at it. They scorned it, they made light of that invitation. And is that not the case with so many today? When they hear the gospel, they laugh it off, as if it was nothing important to be invited into the family and fold of God. I wonder, is that the case for you this evening? You've heard the gospel many times and you think, I don't need to be saved. Perhaps think it's nothing important to be invited to a royal wedding. This is the single most important thing that you could ever do in your life. That is to accept the invitation to come to Christ. To know that your sins are forgiven. To know that you are on an eternal path to heaven. These people, they found their business. They found their employment. They found their work more important than coming to the great wedding feast. Is that what's stopping you from coming to Christ tonight? What is it that's hindering you from coming to him? Your career, your work. These things are good and proper. They have their place, but their importance pales in comparison to eternity and where you will be spending it. So, what does the scriptures teach us here about those that rejected the wedding invitation? Well, verse number six and seven, we see there that they entreated those servants spitefully, they slew them, and because of this, the king heard it, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. This was the punishment. They had heard the invitation. They had received the invitation, they rejected the invitation, not only that, but then they had killed the servants that had brought the invitation. What was the king's response? He sent in his army to the cities and their homes and decimated them. And if you're still rejecting the great wedding invitation from Christ tonight, if you're still rejecting that invitation to come to Jesus Christ tonight, then your end will be eternal damnation in hell. There are no two ways about it. If we continue to reject Christ, if you continue to reject Jesus Christ, your end will be eternal punishment in hell. 1 Peter 4 tells us all about that in verse number 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of those that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? It's a solemn thing to reject the Lord. It will lead to an endless punishment in hell. As Peter there says, if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly or where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? On that day of judgment what will you say before the Lord? He will say unto you, I have sent you many, many different preachers. I have sent you many, many different things. And above all I have given you my word. Which tells you how you can be saved. How do you respond to this? How did you respond to this? You rejected it. You turned away from it. You didn't want anything to do with it. What will you say on that day. That God calls you to account. I was too busy. I had other things that were more important in my life. Why keep on rejecting the Lord tonight? Do you not want to be found at this royal wedding? Do you not want to be enjoying the great riches that Ephesians 3 verse 8 tells us of? The great riches that are to be found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Revelation 22 verse 17. There we see that this is the final invitation that the scripture gives. It says there, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Christ has purchased a complete redemption for you. Will you finally tonight stop rejecting that invitation. And come to Jesus Christ this evening. So there are those that reject it. And I wonder tonight, is that you? Secondly, please note with me. In this chapter, we see that there are those who accept the wedding invitation. There are those who gladly accept the wedding invitation. We read of them in verse number eight and, or nine and ten sorry, nine and ten. go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests now there 's something very important that, notes, uh, uh, sorry, that connects these people with the last people that we spoke of. Those that reject the wedding invitation and those that accept the wedding invitation. And it's found there at the verse, end of verse 8. They which were bidden were not worthy. No one that was found at that wedding was worthy. Those who rejected the wedding invitation, they were not even worthy to receive it. But yet they did. In grace, the king sent out his servants to invite them to the wedding. And likewise, those that were at the wedding feast, they were not worthy either. And it's important that we realize this. None of us, not one, not me, not you, not one single person in this world is worthy of salvation. Because it is all of the grace and mercy of God. Christ has made us worthy. Christ, through his blood, through his sacrifice on the cross, makes us worthy to be invited to this wedding. As we will come to see. And in verse number 10 there, it says that both the bad and the good were found at this wedding. Those who accepted the wedding invitation, they were found at this wedding feast. And does this not have great, such, applic- such great application in our lives? Both the bad and the good were found at the wedding feast. Revelation 7 verse 9 says those of all nations and kindreds and people and tongue can be found in Christ tonight. Those who walk on what we might call the dirty side of the broad road. Guilty of the most heinous of crimes. They can be saved. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And yet Christ saved him. Washed him in his precious blood. And then there are those that walk on the clean side of the broad road. Those who live morally upright lives. They must also be saved. Nicodemus is a prime example of that in Scripture. He had to be born again. Even though he knew the law of God, even though he sought to obey the law of God, he still had to be saved, just like anyone else. And Jesus said in Matthew 9 verse 13, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And who are the sinners? Every one of us have sinned. Those who accept the wedding invitation, they are given a wedding garment. Most commentators would agree that it was customary for guests back in these times to receive a wedding garment from the host of the wedding. That was to be their attire for that day. That was so that they could distinguish who was a guest and who was not. And I can tell you right now, I don't think my father-in-law would have paid for the outfits of everyone that was found at our wedding. But this attire, this outfit... That was given to the people. This robe that was given to the people. It has great significance here in the scriptures. Because it is a picture of the imputed righteousness of Christ. Dear child of God. and here tonight. Let me speak to you for a moment. You have accepted the wedding invitation of Christ. And now you are as Isaiah 61 verse 10 tells us. Clothed in the garments of salvation. Covered. With the robe of righteousness. That is your standing before the God of this universe tonight. You are clothed in the garments of salvation. And robed in the robe of righteousness. What a blessed standing you have in Christ. You have not merited it. But Christ has imputed his righteousness to you. And therefore one day. You will stand before God. Faultless. Blameless, not because you have not sinned in this life, but because Christ never sinned. And God will one day accept you because of what Christ has done on your behalf. That is a wonderful hope that we have. No condemnation, now we dread. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 tells us there, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Child of God, the great work of imputation has been done in your life. Your sin has been nailed to the cross of Christ. You're now clothed in his perfect righteousness to one day stand before the Lord faultless. You've accepted the wedding invitation. And what a joy that is, that one day you will be found at the great wedding feast, the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Rejoice tonight, child of God. For eternity will pass. You will be in the presence of Christ forever. Enjoying the great riches. and great, Enjoying this great wedding feast. <coughs> Every day of eternity. So we see that there are those who reject the wedding invitation. We see that there are those who accept the wedding invitation. Now you're probably asking the question, Well, who else is there? There's no in between. You either accept it or you reject it. Well, lastly, let us look at those who are deceived. Because we come to see the last people that are mentioned in this chapter, Matthew 22. Verses 11 through to 13, they detail to us those who are deceived into thinking they have been accepted into the wedding feast. They don't have on the wedding garment. Which we have spoken of in the previous response. They are a picture of those who are deceived into thinking that they are in Christ when in reality they've never been saved. And let me tell you, for many years of my life, this was the case for me. I thought I was saved. I thought I had on Christ's righteousness. But in reality, all I had was a false profession. I trusted in my words to save me, not the work of Jesus Christ. I trusted that I had really meant what I said. I trusted that I had maybe said the right thing when I prayed unto the Lord as a child. But there is one way of salvation, and it is God's way. Repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to take away your sin and make you a new creature in Him. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. All roads do not lead to heaven, but only through Jesus Christ can any of us be saved. John 14, verse 6, that well-known verse is clear. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Therefore, do not cling to a false profession tonight. Search your heart this evening and be deceived no longer. Notice the words there at the end of verse 12. The king asked him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? What was his response? What did he say to the king? Nothing. He was speechless. He had nothing to say. And on the day of judgment, on that day when Christ returns to judge the world, you will have nothing to say before the Lord. He has presented you with opportunity after opportunity to repent of your sin and turn to him. But on that day it will be too late. You will not have a case to present before Christ the judge of this world. Guilty will be the verdict. Written over your life. This is why it is imperative that we know that we wear the wedding garments of Christ. That we have the robe of Christ's righteousness on us. and And have our wedding garment on. Please turn for a brief moment to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, I believe, contains some of the most scariest verses in all of the scriptures. And Now don't get me wrong, tonight I don't want to scare you into salvation. I don't want you going home tonight thinking, well I don't want to go to hell, so the better alternative is heaven. That's not what I want to do this evening. And if you go away from here only being scared of hell and that being the reason that you want to come to Christ, it's not a real profession of faith. Matthew 7, verse 21. I just really want to bring to light the solemnity of rejecting Christ, the solemnity of having a false profession in Christ. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day. Lord, Lord have we not prophesied in thy name. And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them. I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. On that day of judgment. There will be those who cry out to the Lord, believing that they were saved. But God, I, I said the prayer. I said the words, and I, I really, really meant those words that I said. They will hear those fearful words. Depart from me. I never knew you. It is a solemn thing to continue in a false profession. Are you one who tonight only professes the Savior, but does not truly possess the saviour how can we know that we are saved how can we know truly that our sins are forgiven it's when we realise that salvation is not of works but it is a gift of God it is given to us by our heavenly father if we will only turn from our sin and trust in Jesus Christ it's not about the sincerity of our words when we come to him It's about knowing that salvation is given to us from God. It is a gift, lest any man should boast. So in conclusion, I want to ask, which person are you this evening? Have you rejected the invitation of Christ to come to him for year after year? Will you put it off again tonight, or tonight will you finally come to Christ, receive his wonderful salvation, and get right with God this evening? Have you accepted the wedding invitation? Are you found in Christ? Then rejoice tonight, child of God, knowing that you're clothed in the garments of Christ's righteousness and you will one day be at that great wedding feast of Christ, the bridegroom to his bride, the church. Perhaps are you deceived tonight? Thinking that you're in Christ, but realizing that there is no evidence, no fruit of Christ's work in your life. I urge you, do not fear what man may think. Do not fear what your family may think, what those in the church might think. I can tell you, I was in the very same position. For years, I professed to have Christ. For years, I professed to be saved. Going to church, having the facade of a Christian. I was worried that my friends, my family, even my minister would be disappointed if I wasn't actually in Christ. If they realized that I was never actually saved. I was scared of the great disappointment that I would be. But I can assure you, there is joy tonight if you will come to the Savior. And know that you have a full assurance that you're saved and that you're ready for heaven. The Bible tells us that there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. And that's a wonderful verse because it doesn't mean that the angels are joyful when one sinner comes to Christ. It says that there is joy in the presence of the angels. And who is in the presence of the angels? It's Jesus Christ Himself, the one that they worship. So if you come to Christ tonight, there is great joy in heaven, great joy from your Savior, as you finally accepted His wedding invitation. Will you come tonight and no longer be deceived? Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we do pray that as the invitation to this great wedding has went forth once more, as the invitation to come to Christ to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, we do pray as it has went forth tonight that it will find root in the heart of men and women. We do pray that for those that are rejecting Christ, that they will no longer reject him. We do pray for those that are in Christ, that are found at this great wedding feast. We do pray that they would continue on in their faith. We do ask, Lord, for those that are deceived, thinking they have on the wedding garment. We do pray that it will not be the same end for them as it was for this man that we hear of in the parable, that it will not be bitterness and wailing and gnashing of teeth. For an eternity in heaven. But tonight they will realize. They have a false profession. And that they must come to Christ. Must see that it is fully a work of God. And must come to him. Lord I ask. Speak tonight. And draw men and women to yourself. We ask in Jesus precious and worthy name.